Well, good morning, everybody. I think Jesus was smiling. I think He loves to see people having a great time in His presence. David got so happy bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, he literally took off all his royal robes and danced. It, it was so bad, his wife was embarrassed. So sometimes you need to get over your little religious pride and celebrate. You know, celebration is part of Scripture, having a good time. God didn't call you to be ugly, have a bad time, have a great time. Let me talk to you today about making your vision, your goals, making your plans larger than your life. I want to talk about taking your place in this generation, that's the one you live in, your place in history so that you're not just living a life, you're living a legacy. In other words, you're not just living for life, but you're doing your best to live beyond your life. Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, God is speaking to David. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Notice, when your days are over, David, when your days are fulfilled. So when your days are over, your life can go on and on, David. When your days are over, your dreams can go on. When your days are over, your hopes, your vision, your goals, your plans can go on and on after you. Now, verse 1, 2, and 3, 2 Samuel 7. After King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies, he said to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a palatial house of cedar while the ark of the covenant of God is outside in a stinking tent. And he's thinking, this is not right. This is not right honor. David's up in years now. He's accomplished a lot. He's lived out a segment of his dreams. He's been a warrior. He's been a conqueror. He's been a military leader, king of a nation. And he says, I'm not finished yet. I've still got a dream alive inside of me. I want to build God a house that will honor him. And Nathan the prophet said, go for it. That's in the Hebrew. Go for it. David knew what it was to live bigger than his present life. He didn't just think about himself and his own time. He planned way beyond himself. You need to know this about God. God is a builder. He laid the foundation of the universe, and he builds generationally. He, his, life, his plans are way bigger than one life. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's thinking generations, and we don't usually think past lunch. Really, God's thinking way long-term into the future. So I want to challenge parents, and I want to challenge young adults. For God's sake, think beyond the weekend. Think about where your life is headed, how it can count, and what you can transfer to the next generation beyond yourself. I mean, your assets will be spent and wasted probably, but you can impart vision, you can impart value, you can impart a spiritual uh, heritage, you can impart excellence to your children and to another generation coming after you. You can live on. You can be dead and yet speak from the grave. Martin Luther, who said, I have a dream, has been dead a long time, but that voice still screams out in this world, and it's still heard to this day just like he was alive. You can live beyond the grave. You can pass on something to the next generation, 
besides racism and prejudice and bigotry and what you're against. Yeah, welcome to church. So David planned beyond himself. Let me share quickly with you just to kick this new series off. Real simple. Five keys to living larger than your life. These five keys are simple, but they unlock the potential to live larger than your present lifetime. You know, it's one thing to survive. It's another to succeed, but it's still best to succeed with significance. You know, this just, by the way, off the top of my head, I was just thinking, the, the celebrities that have made $20 million a movie don't need any more money. They don't need any more paparazzi following. They don't need any more fame. The ones that survive have discovered how to live beyond themselves, and they've invested in a charity or a foundation that helps less fortunate people, and suddenly it gives their success significance. It's living beyond yourself. I know you hate Angelina Jolene's guts, ladies, for breaking up Brad Pitt and uh, Jennifer Aniston, but she gives 30% of her income to charity, and she helps those less fortunate. She's been all the way to the U.N. She's using her celebrity. Now, this is not about I like her, don't like her. Catch what I'm trying to say. She wants to live beyond herself and her celebrity and leaving something that will live on after she's gone. How much more, if we belong to Christ and we're part of an eternal kingdom, should we want the same thing to do and to help make this earth a better place in some way instead of worrying about what do you believe about body piercing or tat? What tat? Shut up. Live big. Pass on something besides your hatred and prejudice to the next generation. So God wants us to succeed, all right, but with significance. Not just survive, not just succeed, but He wants my success to really count. Now, he wants it to go bigger than a lifetime. And if we don't connect our success personally with the purpose of God, it ends with your life. Let me tell you something. It says in Isaiah 9, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. So you connect your life by coming to Christ with the kingdom of God. Connect your money, your talent, your time with the kingdom of God. Why? Then you're connected to something that goes on in eternity. Otherwise, my business when I die can can end with me, or my personal success can end with me. But if I attach what I am and who I am and what I do with something that's eternal, it takes on a big significance. So God says, nations come and go, kingdoms come and go, celebrities come and go, but of my kingdom there will be no end. It will never come to an end. That's kind of cool. You are an eternal being, and you're part of something eternal if you're in the kingdom of God. The writer of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, reveals that life outside the purpose of God really doesn't have any meaning, you know, not beyond your days. So we want to be a people of vision, but a vision with purpose. So how do we live a legacy? How do we live larger than our lifetime? Five quick suggestions. Number one, serve the purpose of God. God's purpose goes beyond our lifetime. It's bigger than one person. And when you connect your life with God's purpose, that's when you start to live larger than your own life. When you work with God's purpose, now your work has an eternal significance, whether you're a doctor or a lawyer or you serve the public in in the political arena or you head a company or a business, it doesn't matter. But tomorrow when you roll out of bed or get out of bed, however you can, I hope you're ambitious about going to work. I hope you go with thanksgiving that you have a job and gratitude. I hope you go excited. You can contribute in some way your skill and ability and talent. And I hope you're the best employee in the company. 
that others look to you as an example or a model, but not for praise or promotion. It's larger than a job or a career. You want to be the best, not just to get recognized or a trophy, but to do the purpose of God. I want to serve the purpose of God. I want to build a world-class church. I want to produce world-class people. I want a, a house of honor. I want, I want like the Queen of Sheba, when she came and saw what Solomon had built, she says, my God, the half hasn't been told. She was knocked off her pantyhose or whatever. I don't know, whatever she wore in those days. So that's a revelation every person needs to have when you go into the marketplace. Allow your work to take on eternal significance. Let it be said that in your season, let it be said that in your time, let it be said in your day of opportunity, you will pass the baton to people or children that are coming behind you. But in your day, you serve the purpose of God. You're going to pass on something beside drug addiction or wife beating or your criminal record or your absolutely stupid life. You're going to pass on something of value to the future generation. You're going to connect them to God. And I can think of a teacher, two teachers, one in college, one in high school. I still know their name. I still see their face who impacted my life. My grandfather who raised me during my rebellious teenage years had a great impact on me spiritually. I'm sure he didn't know how much he had impacted me because it didn't take for several years, but it took big. And I know Grandpa would be very proud of me today, but I have to say, Grandpa, you made that difference in passing on those values. Keep your word. Look a man in the eye. Do what you said. You don't need four attorneys. Keep your word. Be excellent. He, he went to church every, took me every weekend. I didn't even want to go as an 18-year-old kid, but I went, and God's word was still going in me, rebellious or not, and it was still going to come up and produce something in my life later. He'd write that big checkbook. He'd write out his tithe check. He'd make a special offering, and he said, Ricky, if you don't want to be broke a day in your life, you honor God with your finances and your life and your career, and I never forgot that. And even when I was in a rock and roll entertainment, 18 years old, I was writing a tithe check to the Lord. I was on my way to hell, but I was prospering. <laughs> yeah, I'm just being honest. And my grandfather, in heaven, I'll thank him one day. I'll say, boy, you imparted to me a few good things. And I've learned from others as well. So make a choice. Get sober-minded. Get alone driving to work one, tomorrow morning or something and say, what am I doing with my life? What am I here for? Am I making any, am I living beyond myself or is it just eat, drink, get drunk, do drugs, party, and sleep around on the weekend? Whoopie-doo. Join the list of celebrity dead people. You pass on nothing but shame and sorrow and sadness for a life and a talent wasted. No judgment here, just wasted. Are you really going to grow up and waste your life? I sat at a bar in a nightclub with my drink on the table. I'd come out of the entertainment business. I'd made some step. God was working in me. I wasn't there yet, but He was working in me clearly. Some of you don't think God can talk to people in a bad place. Oh, yes, He can. Oh, yes, He can. And he was talking to me. And I remember looking at those empty souls out there. I'd watch knife fights. I'd watch people killed. I'd watch drunk car wrecks. I'd watch people give away their wife or their marriage or something in the club where I'd played all my life. And I remember thinking after four and a half years, Rick, what are you doing in here? There's no future here. You've already seen it all. Been there, done it. There's no future. 
Would you like something better? I didn't know what it was, but I knew enough to say, this is not it. And I left my drink, walked out, I never went back. I, it was just a moment in my life where at least I was beginning to turn and realize I wanted a better life. I wanted to, I wanted to leave a footprint. I, I wanted to, to leave something besides some unpaid charge accounts at some store. I really did. I hope you'll get to that place where I, I don't know what I can do. I don't know what I can be, but I want to do something. Maybe if I'm a housewife and I don't have a career, I'm going to raise a kid that'll change the world. Maybe that. Or maybe I'm going to help focus my husband and he'll become a world changer and I'll keep him steady. Like the wife of Bill Gates who said to him, unto whom much is given, much is required. And her Christian Presbyterian background put $42 billion into charitable work and into AIDS work and relief in Africa. You can thank that little young lady who hooked up to that guy for making some difference in the world. So don't count yourself insignificant wherever God's placed you. You have a part to play in leaving a legacy. Listen in Acts 13, verse 36. For David, after he served the purpose of God in his generation, fell asleep. That means he died and was buried with his fathers. Now, we're all going to fall asleep someday. Some of you are now asleep, but wake up. We're all going to die. Deal with it. But let it be said of us like it was said of David. He served the purpose of God in his generation. He was a king. Maybe you'll be a councilman, maybe a president, a senator. Maybe you'll head a business or a, a, a university or a college, or maybe you'll head a department in a business. But let it be said that what you did, you did for the glory of God. You carried your ethics, your values, your encouragement, and your spirit into that career, and you made a difference with people. You served God's purpose as David did as a warrior and as a king in his generation. Now, that's how you live larger than your present life. You serve the purpose of God. I go beyond the momentary, and I go into the eternal. Number two, be ambitious with your life. I never went to church ever and heard anybody tell me, be ambitious with your life. Think big, dream big, give big, care big, risk big. We want a great life with no risk. I want to know she'll go out with me before I ask her. Oh, you twit wussy. Ask her. You know, ask for the job. Ask for the loan. Get some good advice. We, live, we, want, a, we want a high payoff life with no risk. It's not going to happen. No risk, no nothing. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. This church wouldn't be here on a no-risk deal. No denomination funded us, said, y'all come. We drove in with a U-Haul at two little girls. A little bit of savings from the sale of a house, and we took a risk. This is built by our risk takers, okay? an adventurer. Nobody gave me anything. And now we think about where we started in a little hotel room, and now nearly 30 years later where we are today and how much opportunity is before us. What a ride. What, what do you regret? The only fact that I started so late. I'm trying to help you not waste the rest of your life. Get, 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 a, get a bigger dream. I'll tell you, discipline doesn't come out of law and rules. It comes out of a dream. Dreams produce discipline. When you want something so bad, you can taste it. You'll give up anything. You'll deny anything to get it. You'll go through hell and hot water to get it. But if you try to impose discipline with no vision, it's just legalism and it never works. You have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, stupid, I am wasting my life. 
I'm getting off this railroad train. I'm going to go somewhere by a choice, and here's the life I want, and here's the future I want, and I'm going to start walking that road today. Now, that puts discipline in you, and it's not forced. It's not I have to. It's I want to. But if you're not there, I can't make you get there. Be ambitious with your life. David, while he's doing the boring job of keeping sheep, he took target practice with his slingshot at predators, upped his skill. He wrote songs, the book of Psalms. He observed the sheep. He watched their behavior for life applications. While nobody was watching, he was preparing himself. He was in training for reigning. He had no idea he would be a king. He had no idea what all this mundane, no visibility was doing until one day he stepped on the stage of human history, and he wasn't cocky. He was confident. He had no idea what the payoff was going to be, and neither do you. You think about it. He couldn't sit around and wait for TV and supper. He couldn't stand it. He showed up and watched a giant challenge an entire army. Send me a man to fight. Nobody would go out. And David's just doing what his daddy told him, bringing a happy meal out there to the boys to, or some chicken wings. And he wasn't looking for any trouble, but he saw a giant and he said, hold on. God delivered a lion and a bear into my hands, and today, oh, today, he's going to deliver this uncircumcised Philistine to me. You're going down, big boy. I prepared for this day. I didn't know I was being prepared, but you don't even intimidate me. I was made for this moment. Don't waste your sorrow your failures in the past. Don't weigh everything about your life. God makes fertilizer out of it to push you forward in life if you'll let Him. You were made for this day. You were made for this moment. You didn't just show up on the stage of history. You were trained for it. And when God brings you to your stage, you're ready. No premature baby births here. No, you're, you've been trained. You've been prepared. You've been prepped, and you're ready. Now, here in 2 Samuel chapter 7, David's climbed all the way to the top from a little lowly shepherd kid. He's had victory over his enemies. He's built a magnificent palace for himself. He's still got a larger-than-his-own-life vision. Your life, my life, is a gift from God. Make it count. I remember watching the movie. Anybody see Saving Private Ryan? And those guys that got shot all the heck and blown up and killed, go, go get this guy, Ryan. And I mean, I think it was Tom Hanks at the end who's dying. You know, we did all this to save you. You better do something. Invent a light bulb. Do something for what it cost. And Jesus gave his life so you could have eternal life and says, for God's sake, for your sake, for my sake, for the kingdom's sake, would you do something with it? Would you take some risk? Would you be something for it? Make it count. Get out of that lazy boy. How about get in a worker boy? Live by the motto of the former championship Pittsburgh Steelers. Remember that? Whatever it takes. That's it. Most people live passive, overcautious lives, failing to live at all. Why? Well, they became a Christian. You ought to be the most daring people on earth. You ought to be the most bold people. Who made you sweet? Who tamed you? Who domesticated you? You know, you can take a wild duck and make it tame, but you can't take a tame duck and make it wild anymore. I think churches are filled with tame ducks. 
No screaming eagles. God doesn't want to domesticate you. He doesn't want to conform you. He wants to transform you. He made you just right. He didn't make you to fit in. made you to stand out. You're not an echo. You're a voice. You're an original. You're made. Mordecai told Esther, won the beauty. Hey, baby, you've come to the kingdom for this moment. All that training I put into you as a young lady honoring God, being an excellent servant girl, you've been born with beauty. You look, you're a knockout hottie, but I'm going to use you now to save a nation and change a world. And she did. You just never know. You just never know. Uh, I remember learning a poem years ago, forgive me for being old school. There once was a very cautious man who never laughed or played. He never risked. He never tried. He never sang or prayed. And when one day he passed away, his insurance was denied. For since he never lived, they swore he never died. Boy, I don't want that said about me or you. Be zealous and ambitious for God. He loves it when you try big, dream big, risk big. Ask me. I'll withhold nothing from you. Come on. He never rebuked Israel ever for asking for too much. I think, I, I think we ask too little. I think we dream too small. And I want to at least in my home dare my kids and dare the spiritual children in this church. Go for it. What, what if I don't make it? Well, you're going to be further ahead than you are now. Take that step. You're going to grow. Take the challenge. The history of our world was never changed by people who played safe. Sorry, not even in religion. Nobody changed the world by playing safe. The Reformation was cost people by the hundreds of thousands their lives in torture just so we could enjoy what we have. My young African-American teenagers in here and young adults Many probably have no idea the price paid by their parents and grandparents under racism, bigotry, prejudice, uh, no law concerning how they were treated. They have no clue as to the price paid to have the freedom and individual privilege to act irresponsibly today. You should honor. I'm going to tell you something. You you meet somebody that's come out of that, whether it's Hispanic or African-American or mistreatment or going to be, boy, I tell you, I'm I'm on my toes. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am, whatever you want. You're special to me. You say, well, they got a chip on their shoulder. Well, you would too if you had a whole generation of prejudice against you. You probably would too. So get over it. I didn't, I wasn't raised under prejudice for myself. I didn't ever worry about getting stopped by a patrolman at night in South Carolina. But if I was a black man, I would. You think we're over it yet? Ask Charlie Strong, University of Texas. Yeah, you're going to find out the kingdom of God, folks, is bigger than a white, rich Republican. It's a lot bigger. And I'm telling you, it's not coming in here. It's not in the kingdom of God. I don't care you're rich, you're poor, you're white, black, Hispanic, Asian, or you're just messed up. That's the kingdom of God. It's everybody. Everybody. Kingdom to all the people, all the time, all the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in His sight. Rich, poor, or middle class. We don't care. We're going to have at our men's ascend, Tubby Smith, who's the basketball coach for the men up at Texas Tech this year at ascend. Kind of interesting. First time at University of Texas they've had that. Everybody's not happy about it. I'm telling you what, all I want to know if I'm on that board and even if I'm a multi-million dollar donor is, can we win? Can you make me a winning team? I don't care what color you are. Can you sing? If you suck, I don't care what color you are. Get off the stage. Can you play? (laughs) 
right? If you've got wisdom, I want to get close to you. I don't care what your background or culture is. That's meaningless in the kingdom. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, male nor female in the kingdom of God. Leave that at the door. Leave it at the door. Live big. Live beyond your life. Live beyond prejudice and racism and bigotry. Number three, am I doing okay? I don't know. Don't get distracted by small stuff, petty stuff. Many small things come into our lives every single day to distract us. The ability to discern quickly what is small and petty and what's really important is crucial to living larger than life. If you get caught up in small-minded, partial, petty mentality, you'll never live larger than life. People who are petty don't have a life. You know, if you're hunting rabbits in tiger country, I would suggest you beware of the tigers. But if you're hunting tigers in rabbit country, don't sweat the rabbits. And rabbits represent small stuff. Watch the church in America. It's always concerned about the small stuff, the petty stuff. It irritates the heck out of me. But what do you believe about once saved, always saved? What, what, what do you believe about the second coming, the rapture? What do you believe about body piercing? I don't care. It's got nothing to do with you being righteous. Don't care. Well, I just... I just noticed that when we visited your church, the choir didn't have robes. No, but we all got on underwear. I think. I do. I don't know about the rest of the crowd. You show me where that's a big deal. Well, I think it's too loud. Well, who cares what you think? Why? Can you get over that? Is the kingdom moving? Is it expanding? Are lives being changed? Are you growing? Are you making a difference? For crying out loud, don't let a little thing become a big thing. A small thing. Yeah, I might be irritated. I get irritated in my age easy. But I'm not going to let that warp my life. You know, get your money back. Go complain to a manager. But you don't kill somebody over texting. Somebody cuts you off, exiting the highway goes on every single day. We're tempted to push on the accelerator, do an obscene gesture, or do something that could cost you your life as it escalates. Don't major on minors. Don't get, look at the potential in people. I see people all the time in here, and I thought, what a great potential you are. Oh, they got a problem here, and they got a problem here, and they're not surrendered here yet. But you got to see their potential. The enemy sees their potential. That's why he's beating the living hell out of them. He sees what could come out of that life. And I was with a man yesterday I just happened to love very, very much. And he's in, he's a, he happens to be one of our many guys that are in the legal profession. And somebody came to his office. He was having a great day. A, a woman out of control, maybe demonized, and screamed in the office and made all kinds of He had just served her well and won for her and done some other things. And then she ruined his whole day. And I remember telling him last night, I said, there are 7 billion people on earth. And one of them doesn't like you. Suck it up. (laughs) If you, listen, I got people who hate my guts. (sighs) I don't care. I just want to be sure it's the people who ought to hate my guts. And if you're a religious tyrant, a bigot, a legalist, you should, because I am dangerous to you, and I want to be. I don't want to comfort you. I want to afflict you, because you are a detriment to the kingdom of God. 
So I want to serve God's purpose for my life too, and I hope that you will, but I've got to stay my focus. If you're going to start a business, if you, if you become a, a, an athlete, every blogger, everybody trying to get a paycheck as a journalist is going to take a shot or find something to major that's a minor, and you have to be beyond that to say, it's a chihuahua. It's a rabbit. It's nothing. It's not going to take me out of God's plan for my life at all. Water off a duck's back. Folks, this is the world we live in. There, 50, 50% probably are not going to agree with you on anything. This country can't agree on anything. So, so who do you are to think everybody should like you? It's not, everybody won't like every church. That's why there's so many of them. Go pick yours. I just want to find a place that sings my song. But I won't find a perfect place. Some other person got upset we didn't have crosses in here. I said, well, we could have a gas chamber, a lethal injection table, uh, a plate. Why would I want it? I said, it's not wrong, but, but what's that got to do with anything? I said, we preach the cross. You mean you'd feel better if I just put crosses everywhere? Nah, not going to do it. Well, I'm going somewhere else. Well, please hurry. Can I call you a cab? Please go, go, go. I don't know. So, what are you looking for? What are you looking at? What's your conversation like? What do you dwell on? What do you think about? Don't get distracted by small, petty stuff. What do you believe about Christmas trees? What do you care? How about producing a good marriage, good kids, a great future, helping others less fortunate than you, serving the kingdom of God through His church, which He established with His blood and gave His life for it, to help other people. Why not do something that has some meaning to it? You know, have a good life. Make your money. Have a good time. I would, but I'm not never going to separate from the purpose of God. There's an eternity to that. I want, I want to use my influence or my celebrity, or I don't have any, by the way, but if I did, I would want to use it for the kingdom of God. Sure, God puts you in unique places to be a voice, to be salt, to be light. He wants to spread you all around. But wake up and get a life, and don't live for what's small and petty. People that are petty never have time to live larger than their life because they battle everything, everywhere, all the time. And they always want you to get in their battle. Don't get caught up in somebody else's battle. Don't let them put it on you. I want to choose my fights, and everything is not worth fighting about. It just isn't. So ask yourself this morning, what am I doing with the life God gave me? How much am I making my day count? And obviously, it, unless you're here to see your girlfriend, this is a good day to make it count. And even if you are here to see your girlfriend, God will still let you hear something. He's still speaking to you. And what significance is evolving out of my life? Pick your battles carefully. Don't engage in fights about stuff that does not affect your personal righteousness. I get asked all the time, what do you think about tattoos? I don't think nothing. You think I go home and say, my God, I saw 14 tattoos today. Oh, God. And Cindy says, have you seen the one on my thigh? No, not lately. Would you get a new one? I didn't know. <laughs> It's got nothing to do with righteousness. But you get into some churches, and they'll make it about politics, or they'll make it about some issue, or they'll make it about race, or they'll make it, oh, it's just sickening. Jesus must weep over His church how pitiful it's gotten and small-minded about little stuff. I, when I, it's amazing what preachers will ask you to discern whether they're going to like you. 
What do you believe about the second coming? What does it matter? He's coming. I don't know when. I got, I'm busy. I got a big life, big dreams. I got to build, I got to finish that room downstairs. We got to put that 40,000 square foot athletic center up, which will be a great venue for our community. It's going to do a whole bunch of good things. We've already got people lined up to help us. But, but what's that got to do with that silly stuff you're worrying about? When Jesus shows back up, I'm, I'm redeemed, washed in His blood, I'm filled with His Holy Spirit. I'm doing the will of God. I'll be fine. What are you worried about? When, when, when is it? Since 1958, everybody's been saying, this is it, this is it. They're all dead. <laughs> no, you get on with your life right now. It's an interesting topic, but hey, are you going to build your, are you going to judge me as being a good man or a bad man by my view on body piercing or a Christmas tree? Are you nuts? <laughs> if you are, yes, you're nuts. <laughs> Jesus what did they say about him? He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. And they said, he didn't wash his hands. <laughs> Stupid stuff. He eats that on the Sabbath. I'm just thinking, I hope I awaken you. to Go visit some other places and tell me I'm not lying. Like, what? This is not a white church, not a black church, not a Hispanic church, not an Asian church, not a Texas church. It's just the church of the kingdom of God. It's for all people everywhere. For God so loved the whole freaking world, he gave his son, period. Come on in and help me. You know, if a guy is mugging me and I'm doing my best to fight back and you show up, I ain't going to ask, if, and you say, uh, Rick, you need some help. Well, brother, I'd just like to know what you believe about the second coming. Uh, what do you believe about body piercing? I'm going to say, I don't care if you worship a green frog. Get in here and help me. But that's how silly we are sometimes. God used people all through the Bible, some who weren't even Christian. He used them to help you. And he will do that today. Number four, sorry I took it too long. Respect the mentors and protégés God puts in your life. Respect the mentors and protégés God puts in your life. I remember years ago, Jack Nicklaus played what was to be his last round of professional tour golf, and by his side at that time was Tiger Woods. And I thought, how fitting it is that one legend is coming to the end of his career. Standing next to him was the next new legend, legend the new superstar of golf. And what I saw on TV was the tremendous respect and esteem they had for each other. Tiger wasn't strutting around cocky. He was beating an old legend socks off. No, he saw respect and honor from Tiger because if it hadn't been for Jack Nicklaus and Arnold Palmer and some of the other guys, Tiger wouldn't be where he was that day. And Jack watches Tiger sink an incredible putt on the 18th green. And by the way, some of you out there, yeah, I know about Tiger's girls. Okay, I know that. That's all somebody's thinking about. Yeah, he had 13 escorts. Yeah, and you so ugly and got nothing, you couldn't get one escort. All right, so shut up. I hate it when people who ain't got nothing, been anywhere, done anything, are jealous of people who, if I was the enemy, I'd try to sink Tiger Woods too. His influence was incredible. He's still the number one draw in golf. I'm not condoning any bad behavior, but I'm trying to say, I really think it's kind of pity when you, pitiful when you, when you're after somebody and you had not done diddly squat. I mean, who'd want you? <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get letters now. I don't know. Well... I deserve them. That's okay. But I saw mutual respect for each other. Jack is kind of like David, wrapped up, wrapping the end of his life up. Tiger, he's kind of like Solomon coming up. 
He's just getting started. Solomon's going to build the great temple of the Lord for his dad. And by the way, he's going to build it on daddy's money. Daddy raised the money for that temple, and God allowed Solomon to build it. So David can build it through his son Solomon. He's living larger. David's living larger than his present life. And Tiger's the son that's going to take it to a new level. Just speaking spiritually here now. One of the great enemies of living larger than life is failure to acknowledge the greatness in mentors, people who have gone before you, people who passed the baton to you. Maybe they passed capital to you. Maybe they passed resources to you. Maybe they gave a business to you. Maybe they gave wisdom to you. Maybe they helped you and gave you a stage when nobody would, and you catapulted. I remember when T.D. Jakes had 450 people in a rented bank building in West Virginia. Couldn't raise more than $400 in an offering for an honorarium. I sat with men, and I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the Maybe Center. Oh, how many years ago, honey? 30? I don't know. And I was preaching that night on A-level Christianity. Sitting behind me was T.D. Jakes, unknown, unheralded, uncelebrated. And I've got the stage as the guest speaker for the night. But the next day, he was invited to speak, and the world changed. T.D. Jakes became an anomaly, world-renowned, phenomenon. If I'd have known that dude was sitting behind me, I wouldn't even have got up to preach. You just never know. You just never know. But thank God for the people who passed on a heritage to me. I didn't get anybody to give me any money, but I had people give me wisdom, spiritual values, principles that stood me well. I didn't get where I am, nor will you, alone. And so celebrate those people. Joel Osteen, who has probably the world's greatest visibility and name recognition, would be zero without Dodie and John Osteen, who raised the money, built the church at Lakewood, made it debt-free, put capital in the bank, and was able to pass a baton to a son who took it way further than Daddy did. He's, he, he, you won't ever find Joel strutting about, look at me, look what I did. He will always honor his father and mother for making the stage possible for them to be heard. I don't care where they go in life, you never forget those mentors who served you well and paved the way. And just by the way, young adults in here, when you get to take over, don't forget if me and some of the boys in here are old now and they roll us down on a scooter or a wheelchair, <laughs> you better be very respectful because you wouldn't have squat if it hadn't been for 30 years of sacrifice, money, resources, and catching hell. Absolutely. You didn't even pay for a chair you sit in. Others did. That's why we honor those people who paved the way for us to take the baton further. That means young adults find people that have some capacity, who are older, that have some characteristic or gifting you can model. Don't just hang out with kids. I spoke at the Dream Center in L.A. two, two months ago, three months ago, in drug recovery, and they have all kind of people off the street in L.A. It's a beautiful place. Tommy Barnett, his son Matthew Barnett, have done a phenomenal job there of making a difference in the inner city. But I said to the guy sitting up there in the choir, I said, if you don't get out of that crowd, 
You're all talking the same way. You're still doing your ghetto lingo. You're still talking about your drugs and gangbanging. You will never change. You have got to come out of that and start sitting with people who have already recovered, who are on their way to a bigger life, and learn what they know. How do they think? How do they talk? Your life can change. But if you stay up there in that den of iniquity, you'll never change. Uh, my testimony isn't what God saved me from. Now it's what God saved me to. I'm not living 30, 40 years as a Christian based on where I was when God saved me. That's old school. Now I got a future. I've got a hope. And this is, it's a fact. If I want a better life, I'm going to get away as quick as I can from people. You know, don't walk away from stupid. Run. Run. <laughs> Find people ahead of you. And if you're an adult, don't look down on young people around you. You were that way once. Respect them as those who carry on where you can't go. So if you want to live larger than life, you got to hook up with the guy in front of you and hook up with the guy coming behind you. To live larger than life, you've got to have a vision that requires you to see yourself like a runner in a marathon race. You know, out of a mile, you're running out of four runners, you're each running 400 meters. And as that guy comes in to pass the baton, he's screaming at the guy, go, go, go. And the guy running with his hand back to catch it is screaming, uh, come on, come on, come on. I'm not slowing down. So they can move it as fast as they can into the future. So if you're living larger than life, have an awesome respect for the mentors ahead of you and respect those coming behind you. It's not just your life and who you are. I'm not here to become a legend in my own mind. I want to be part of a legacy. Future generations might say, Rick who? I could care less. What matters is that the purpose of God goes forward in my generation. And here's the last one. Number five, you don't have permission to stop until you finish. You do not have permission to stop until you finish. Quitting is not an option. Jesus said, Father, I finished the work you gave me to do. Paul said, I finished my course. Galatians 5, verse 7 and 8 in the Message Bible says, you were running superbly. Who cut in on you, deflecting you from the true course of obedience? This detour didn't come from the one who called you into the race in the first place. Maybe today you're embarrassed. Keep running. Maybe it didn't work out like you planned or wanted. Keep running. I'm not as young as I used to be, Rick. Join the crowd. Keep running. You hadn't seen me slow down. You don't have permission to stop until you're finished because you're part of something bigger than you. So come on, learn to live larger than this present life. Pass on something worthwhile to the next generation. When you're tempted to be offended, you've got to think larger than life. When you're tempted to react and get mad, stop, get your composure, think larger than life. And let me say that no one at any time has God's permission to sit idle on the sidelines. God walked up to a prophet named Elijah, sitting in a cave, running from Jezebel, and he said, what doest thou here, Elijah? Maybe God would say that to somebody. What are you doing? Why are you sitting here? You know, you got a race to run. In the movie Chariots of Fire, which I love so much, the runner says to his coach, I'm not going to run if I can't win. And the coach snapped back, you can't win if you don't run. And folks, you can't win if you don't run. God loves you, died for you. Take the baton, advance it in your lifetime, and God will cause to happen what should happen. 
so that your life makes some difference here. Let your wealth matter. Let your influence, let your celebrity, let your contacts, let your talent, let everything make a difference for the glory of God because that will live on long after you're gone. And those values you impart to your children, do you want to pass on wife beating, drug abuse? Do you want to pass that on to your kids? Fourteen jobs, never show up on time, always out of work, always got bill collected. You want to pass that on to your kids? Or do you want to say, this stops with me? Maybe I've had a bad past, but through the blood of Jesus I'm forgiven, the curse is broken, and I'm not passing that on to my kids. I'm going to say, forgive daddy or mom for being this. This is who I am today. That's, that's who I was. That's not who I am. And this is what I dream and hope and pray for you. And then start modeling that. Put your life in. We've got out there in the foyer, every ministry in this church will have a table and we'll have leaders out there. It's a connection group. Get connected. Use your talent. Use your time. Maybe you're better than anybody here, including me. God bless you. What good is it if you just sit there? Engage, get connected, do something, right? Step up and do something. Tell some people, you know, there are guys uh, downtown with, with the Spurs or with other athletics, celebrity guys that make $20 million a year or something like that, who don't even go to church, who could walk in and say, oh, I'll give you 65000 pay off the room. That's done. What's our next project? I'm just saying, whatever you are. Maybe you have influence. Maybe you can get zoning. Maybe you have, you never know. Maybe you're just a godly influence towards a major player. Maybe you're a wife and you don't work, but you, oh, you work, all right. I'm sorry, you, you do work. But maybe it's, it's, it's keeping the focus of a husband who will change the world. Or maybe it's raising a kid who will change. You're just as vital as Joyce Meyer or anybody else on TV. You serve the purpose of God in your generation. Everybody's got a part. Everybody's got a play. There are no spare parts in the kingdom of God. Every member is a minister. We're all in this race together. I mean, shout and scream and at least cheer on the team when we're running the race. Show up and cheer on your team. Don't say, well, I'll see if it don't get cold, if it doesn't rain. If I ain't got anything else to do, you can count on me. Shoot. <laughs> you sound like the Cowboys. Anyway, I, I, did. I know that's, that's a cheap shot. You're absolutely right. How you live your life will affect generations to come. Make it a good one. Some people build careers. Some people build empires. But the rarest of people leave a legacy. What will you leave? What will live on after you? Connect your life to the purpose of God. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.